Hello and welcome to the Cold Coffee Club, a podcast brought to you by Houston Moms. We're here to give you a little bit of that mom-to-mom connection, fun, and conversation amidst all the chaos. Join us as we take a break from doing all the things and explore the wide spectrum of this crazy motherhood role. We'll interview fun guests, talk about cool grown-up topics, laugh, share, and grow together. So go ahead, reheat that coffee, and put your feet up. Here we go. Good morning, Cold Coffee Club. Ashley here for another episode. I am really excited to jump into this episode. It is a little bit different than what we are used to. Uh, This one's a little um, heavier. I feel like a lot of moms might need to hear some of the content that we're going to talk about on this episode. I'm going to be joined with Sam Brand, um, and she's going to share with us her journey of grief while mothering. Uh, She recently lost her husband and, um, you know, she's going to share with us how she's managing to cope, how she's managing to move forward and um, how she's handling still mothering her daughter uh, after the loss of her husband. Um, it's, it's, um, I feel like it's, it's something a lot of us need to hear, especially just in grief in general. Uh, and Sam points out that there is no gatekeeping to grief. What she is grieving, um, is one thing and you might be grieving something else. We, we dig into the fact that I'm grieving the end of my marriage and what that looks like. Um, you know, so any grief that moms are having to fight through is grief worth acknowledging and worth processing? And it is going to take some changing and some growth um, to get through. So we're going to dig into that. Before we do, let's spill a little tea. Uh, so my uh, win this week is that um, I am just we're making it. I have been trying some new parenting techniques with my children and trying to figure out what works best for each of them. And it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of um, figuring out who my little people are as little people. And, you know, it's not one size fits all. It is still so fascinating to me that kids can grow up with the same parents and in the same household and be so incredibly, incredibly different. And really, when you think about it, they're not growing up with the same parents. You know, the the parent I was uh, with my first son is different than the parent I, I was after, you know, having two more kids. It, it changes, but it's still so fascinating figuring out how different they all can be from each other. It's it's amazing. Uh, So that is my win that we're really trying and making strides and figuring things out as we go. It's really, it's really fun to experience. It's frustrating at times, but it is, um, it's really fun to explore. My fail is very first world problems. So uh, Netflix reached out to me and they were like, hey, uh, the plan that you have, there's actually a plan cheaper and you might want to try that instead. And I was like, yes, any way to save money, I'm on it. Cool. Listen, they bamboozled me. <laughs> they found me a plan that was cheaper and it was like, hey, it might, uh, you might have commercials. Deal with that. Can you deal with that for, you know, in order to save $3 a month? I'm like, yeah, we can do commercials. It's fine. Turns out this plan doesn't let me watch everything that I want to watch. So my kids were excited to watch a movie on Netflix and it was telling us, you can't watch this under your plan. And then we were like, wait, what? So then we tried to look up a different movie. 
same thing happened. You can't watch this under like certain, I don't know, rights, whatever, um, with your plan. Thanks, Netflix. So I ended up having to go back to my old plan, which now is uh, more expensive than it was originally. So now I'm paying like about $5 more total from what I was paying for the cheaper plan. So the cheaper plan was going to save me $3. I went back up to the other plan. Now it, I'm it's a difference of $5. And I'm like, the, in the grand scheme of things, whatever. But I did not want any of this. And it's, again, very first world problems. But Netflix, what gives, man? Like, I'm just trying to have a streaming service that, you know, I'm trying to hold on to it. I I was a diehard Netflix um, fan for years. I, I think I got Netflix probably in like 2010, back when you could still get DVDs sent to you. <laughs> and I'm still trying to hold on to it. I'm loyal. But y'all are messing with me, and I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to suck it up. It's fine. For my cream and sugar this week, something that I am recommending that uh, huh, it's hmm. So <laughs> the movie Saltburn. I know I'm a little late to this party, but I just watched it a couple weeks ago, and it is it's just fascinating to me. It's just weird enough to be kind of weird, but I like it. And, uh, you know, I'd heard some things about it and I was like, I have no idea what you people are talking about. Like, I don't know what this is. Um, and then I decided to watch it. Um, so many opinions about it. So many things are happening in that movie. Good things. And, odd different things very controversial things um but if you haven't seen it yet and you're willing to just be somewhat open-minded that this movie is a little weird but it is my kind of weird so i kind of i like it i would highly recommend checking it out it is i can't comfortably say like it's a good movie but i love um i really like movies that are pushing the envelope and it um, fits really well with the whole motif of movies where it's like, or literature, whatever, where it's like this eat the rich kind of um, thing. I liked the movies like um, The Purge, things like that. It's just an interesting, like, what a world <laughs> that we live in where these concepts, these ideas exist. And um, I love seeing that that exploration and that that expression where it's just like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> but brilliantly acted. Um, some some favorite actors of mine are in it. And uh, it was it was just a wild ride. And I'm here for it. I've watched it two or three times now. And yeah, it's a lot. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend just trying it out. It's um, don't watch it around your children not appropriate. Don't watch it with your parents. I don't know if I would watch it with my significant other. I watched it by myself. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I would watch it with I don't know if there's anyone I would particularly want to watch it with. <laughs> it's a really interesting, intriguing movie. So if you haven't seen it, uh, give it a try. <laughs> Let's head into my chat with Sam Brand. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about grieving while mothering and what that process looks like, what that can mean for us going through through grief and how we can use it to grow through. So 
Let's chat with Sam. Today I have Sam with us. She is going to share her story um, and we're going to dig into how we deal. But before we do, Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I am Sam. Uh, my government name is Samantha Brand. Uh, <laughs> very Googleable. If you happen to Google me and the word Haiti soccer, you will see a lot of pictures of me falling on a soccer field. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I a uh, former professional soccer player. I played for about 10 years of professional soccer. I played for the Haiti women's national team as well. I that had been my identity since I was three. I had played since I was three, so that had been my who I am. My mom used to say, "This is my third daughter. She is the soccer player." That was my identifier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yep, and then my last contract I had played in Sweden where I fell in love with this tall Viking-like Swedish man and uh, we had a baby together and um, we, I mean, that process was during the pandemic. So for those mamas out there who had pa pandemic babies, you know, they're a different breed for one. Yeah. <laughs> and the experience was very, very different. Uh, and then we went into the global pandemic and um, I actually lost my husband a year after I had my child. So my my mothering and my motherhood has been very different since then. Um, and yeah, I grew up, wow, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. I grew up in Southern California mm -hmm. and uh, that's, I lived there until I was 16 and then I moved to Northern California. So I kind of tell people I'm from all of California because I yeah. definitely know all the things I say like, like I'm from SoCal, but I say hella like I'm from NorCal. <laughs> so spanning the whole state, you know, you know, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, now I am, I also have a podcast and I am last year I published three books. I self-published three books, two books of poetry, just about my first year of grief and one children's book because a friend of mine asked if their daughter could read my book. And I said, absolutely not. It's not for baby eyes. So yeah. <laughs> I made one. I made a little book for my daughter who is now three and for a younger audience. So lots has happened in my life in the last maybe five, five years or so. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're trucking along. We're thriving. Yeah, so. that's amazing. Yeah. So let's dig into that. Um, you know, when life throws you something that is just going to just throw everything out of whack and just turn your entire world upside down. We, we kind of have to just find our way through it. So tell us a little bit about your experience with your husband and, and how you're moving forward. Yeah, I, so it all happened within five summers, which is to me, doesn't feel real because it feels like I've known him since I was, you know, young, but I met him in two, the summer of 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, we got engaged the summer, all almost all of it in June. So the June of 2017, I met him. June of 2018, which is my birthday month, he proposed to me. Mm -hmm. June of 2019, we got married. Uh, my daughter does things on her own terms, as most toddlers and babies do. So yeah. she missed the June mark only by five days. So we had a baby July 5th. <laughs> of the next summer and then the next summer he passed away in June. Mm. So it was just five straight summers of, I mean, I know the the term it's better to have loved and lost is out there, but it is, it was very quick for me. It was very, you know, I had never been loved like he loved me. I it was very similar to my parents' love. Uh, my parents used to still go on dates 40 years into marriage. They held hands everywhere they went. They 
could be they didn't need any other friends like literally loners together all the time so our love was so similar to what i had prayed for to what i had experienced as a child even the biracial aspect my my the man who raised me my father my stepfather is white so i mm -hmm. was raised in that world and never saw it i never saw black woman white man growing up i was never you know modeled for me but i met a white man in sweden and that's you know and so it, it was just like, it was just a magical love. I literally met him on my back porch one day. Like he was just sitting on my back porch. So that was a beautiful thing I got to experience. But what came with that, because it was so beautiful and magical and almost fairy tale esque when he died, the amount of grief and the type of grief that I've had to suffer while still parenting, yeah. not just while still breastfeeding. And we know that our anxiety and things go through our milk. And so that was very tragic. And um, it was very sudden, he was only 31. So it wasn't like a lead up to it. It wasn't like, you know, we knew it was coming, he got sick, no. Very sudden and I was in the US when he passed and uh, I got a message on Instagram from my mother-in-law. So it was very, just all of it was very trauma filled. and. I, I got the message, uh, I freaked out obviously, and then I had to like literally calm down and put my baby to bed. Like it was just, it was a lot. Um, but my daughter and I, I, I think that, first off, I wanted a son. <laughs> Let me be honest, I wanted a baby boy yeah. so badly. I yeah. just, that's what I wanted. Yeah. But I, I thank God all the time that she's a little girl and that, you know, uh, I don't have to teach the little girl how to stand up and pee. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All those things. So my daughter's definitely a mini me, but has so much of her dad and she has no idea. Well, obviously she has no idea. She doesn't have an influence from him yeah. directly, but she is so much of him and so mm -hmm. much of, so it's been, that's kind of just been that experience. And obviously that is my biggest life transition. That is earth shattering. I've had so many prior, but that was just, I had to summon the the strongest parts of myself for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine like, so having that experience, how do you think it changed you either in positive or negative ways? How do you think it really changed the person that you were before, before him? Um, how does, what does that look like now? It's strange because I think that it almost made me be the strongest version of who I already was. For sure. So in a lot of ways, I don't know that it changed me fundamentally or anything like that. I just had to, like I said, I had to summon the most powerful versions of myself just to get out of bed. Yeah. You know, and and to and and I also had to battle parts of my brain that no one should have to see, you know, the darkest parts of your brain. And I had to I had to work on my self-worth and I had to really truly i mean as a mom you know when you have a, a partner a lot of times they're the ones who celebrate you you know sure. they're the ones who remind you that you're doing a good job you know for for those that don't have that reminder hopefully you have other support systems that do it but there's something different about your spouse or your partner doing that mm -hmm. so i lost a lot of confidence yeah. and i lost the ability for a little while for my judgment um this will get dark for a second, but my, my husband overdosed. Mm -hmm. So many people relapsed during COVID. Yeah. So many people lost their identities. So many people couldn't go to work, which kept them going. And, you know, they say the, the, uh, 
what is it the a bored mind is like the devil's playground or something yeah. that phrase yeah. so when you're stuck in the house when you're used to he was a he was a welder he was used to being out and working and working through things and we were just stuck in the house with a screaming baby for six months you know and so he relapsed and i had never seen him in that state before um he was clean when i met him and everything like that so covid really it was a different for so when when i talk about it now and, and i don't want to get into it i tell people he, he passed away from covid because essentially that's what happened so yeah. But in me choosing someone I knew had those issues, I lost, when he died, I felt like my judgment was no longer trusted. Mm. I couldn't trust, I mean, big life decisions, small life decisions, like you don't realize how much you bounce ideas off of your partner. You don't right. realize how much you, you know, even, oh, should we take the baby to the doctors? You know, should we like, oh, the baby has a fever 101. Like you make that decision with someone. Yeah. And so, I know that there's, I, I used to get upset when single moms would tell me like, oh, I know how you feel because I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, because my person is gone. Yeah. You have a spouse, even if it's a broke, you know, like a scrub as Beyonce yeah. would say, you know, <laughs> you still have an, a, a hope, a piece of hope. Mm. And so I, I, it, it changed how I, I, <clears throat> excuse me, it changed how I interacted with other people as well other moms who would try to relate to me and it took a lot of healing for me to realize people can relate to my feelings without mm -hmm. having to have my same situation sure yeah and that's something i don't think we give to enough people mm -hmm. we like yeah. to be like no this is my hurt this is my pain is pain is pain sure and i think that that's that's something else that i i've really str i strive to explain to my friends when they're like i'm having this problem but yours is worse i'm like pain is pain is pain Right. And that was something that I really considered when we were getting ready for this call, um, because all I can really compare it to, like my big life change and even hearing you explain how you had to dig deep and you didn't know that you had that strength in you. Like I haven't lost a partner in that way, but getting divorced, it is it was a game changer for me. And like there was a part of me that was hesitant to even like share that because it's not the same as yours. <laughs> but it's still, I went through this entire transition of like being a stay at home mom and having no money to myself. And then like all of a sudden, my husband is gone. I need to move out of this expensive house that we had. I have no money. I can't get a, ha I can't get an apartment because I don't have a job. <laughs> And so it was just uh, like, uh, yeah, all the things that come along with it, the credits yes, for that. Exactly. And it was, and people would tell me all the time, like, I don't know how you're doing this. And I'm like, I have no choice. Like I have to make it happen. And the strength that I found because I had to, because I had three children looking at me like, mom, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and, decide. Like, right. <laughs> I was like, I really, I don't know. And, you know, we went from living in an extended stay hotel, a crappy one where it was like, there are people around us who are undesirable people that we are sharing walls with. And, and we had to be there a month and a half. And I was like, we're going to make it. We will figure out a way. And, um, you know, it was coping with losing my marriage, losing the ideal situation that I thought I, I was going to have. I knew that our marriage had serious issues but i the fact that we were still there in it together i had hope like maybe one day it'll get better maybe we'll figure this out maybe you know once this settles down and maybe once this works out we'll be great together and so losing that that mindset of like 
I can have all the things that's just not here yet. And realizing that this person was just not the person to do it with. That was a grieving process in itself, finding the strength to get through it. And then my self-esteem also was just like a mess. Like the one thing I really wanted was to be a wife and to be a mom. And now I've like failed at one and I have to figure out how to do the other one solo. <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I, and it took me a little while because it, it used to anger me when people said it, but it was more because like, I, I don't know, we have this innate need sometimes to, to be the one with the problem. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and, and because it was such a dark problem, I didn't actually want to be that person. But yeah. the second someone would, you know, try to relate, I'd be like, you don't understand. But it, yeah. it, it it's not about that. Because honestly, like we grieve, well, if you've loved, you will grieve, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you open your heart in that way, you will find grief and it, and everyone is going to grieve a, a family member dying, a pet dying. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was all these other types of grief that I've, I've related to people on that have really touched my life. Like mm -hmm. grieving your future is a weird feeling, you know, like you, you're saying like, now I have to do it alone. You never once, when you were vowing at the court, wherever you got married, mm -hmm. you never once think these things won't happen. Yeah. I won't grow old with this person. Like yeah. I won't, you have all these amazing and beautiful. And then on top of it, and I know for a long time, this was also scary for me to be seen as a single mom in that way because I'm like, well, no, I'm not a single mom in the same way. But like, it's because the negative connotation that come along with being a single mom, yeah. especially being a black woman in America. Yeah. They yeah. assume I have a baby daddy somewhere. Yep. They assume that I messed up, I slept around, I da da da. And I had a woman once in a 99 cent store, like complete looked down and I saw her look at my finger for a ring. I saw all the things happen. Yeah. And she was like, well, where's the dad? And, and I, I, I gave it to her. I was like, he's, he's not here anymore. He's dead. Yeah. And because no, yeah. no, but that's it. And, and those were a lot of my weird fears that I didn't know would come up. Like you don't think that that stuff is happening. So yeah. it was that and grieving. And then you grieve for your child. Yeah. You grieve for your child because you know what they're losing and could have had. They don't care. Like my kid lo loves life. Like she is <laughs> happier than a clam you know <laughs> and here i am being like i hope she's ha she's just like, you give her the goldfish she's fine she's yeah. all right you know yeah. <laughs> and so and we forget that as kids you you just see what you have like you're not aware of everything as they get older yeah but then like because of the era that we're living in and because of the millennials and everything and that we're so much more open to growth Mm -hmm. And you know, than our boomer parents, you know, we're yeah. so much more open to therapy. We're so much more open to things. They're already going to be ahead of the game, sure. you know? And Absolutely. so it's like all of these things. And, and I, I've really gotten to relate to people. And, and I say this all the time on my Instagram, on my things, because I don't want people to feel that my grief is above theirs mm -hmm. because any loss is grief. Any loss will just, it changes you fundamentally. It changes mm -hmm. what you hoped for yeah. it changes what you you know even how you think of yourself in the past it's just mm -hmm. i i there's no gatekeeping grief yeah absolutely oh that is that is a message everyone needs to hear just say that one more time say it one there's more time no gatekeeping grief yes oh boy
Oh, yeah. that is a word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's mm, that's mm -hmm. a whole mm -hmm. vibe right there. It is. We could probably speak for about an hour on just that. Right. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So go going back to parenting and mothering, how has this loss changed how you approach parenting? Maybe even, you know, we all had those ideas of how we would be before we had kids. We're like, this is how my kids are never going to have the tablet at the table. And my kids are going to sit properly. They're going to eat everything. They, they're going to have, it's going to be all these things. And then of course that changes once we have kids. But then in your case, that, that changed so quickly once you lost your husband. Like how does that affect your parenting style, your type, all of that? Yeah. There's like logistical things like, um, we were meant, I was meant to be living in Sweden with mm -hmm. her and him. So one, her primary language was, ne was not going to be English. That was going to be something we spoke at home. She would be bilingual by now at three years old. Yeah. That's those simple things. I had to like, I grieved them. Mm -hmm. I had to let them go and be like, Sam, you don't speak Swedish fluently enough to uphold that dream. It's unfair to yourself to try to, you know, be the person that teaches both languages, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, the other things are just, like you said, that the the screen time type of things and just being okay with not being the parent that Instagram and TikTok tell me I'm supposed to be, you know, mm. you know, who gets up at 5 a.m. to do their home workout and, and who feeds their kid star-shaped pancakes, but gluten-free. Uh, <laughs> no, I I had to I had to really I had to I have to daily and hourly and minutely sometimes assess. Mm -hmm myself and and give myself grace but not i give myself grace but i don't treat myself with kitty gloves i'm not mm -hmm. like hey dude you you went through all this so you get to feed your kid you know pizza every day no right. i'm better than that you know right. and if there are days where i can't you know i i'm doing a lot better at asking for help now um but yeah i think also this is this was something i didn't expect was that Part of it is a little bit freeing. I don't have to, I truly don't have to check in with anyone with my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to battle with my husband about if we teach her about God or not, or this mm -hmm. or that, or just when she she go to bed. I don't have that battle. And obviously I miss that. And I miss being able to do those things. But there is a little bit of like an ownership of my daughter. I'm actually currently writing a book and I realized, and I'm writing about me and my husband and I realized I keep putting my daughter, not our daughter. Mm. And it was a very, it was a very obvious like mirror for me that yeah. she is mine and mine alone. Now on the flip side of that, that is terrifying. I am her only parent. That is so terrifying for me. Mm. Uh, more on her, for her behalf, if something happens to me, those kinds of things. Right. But on the flip side, it's like, I'm her, I'm, I'm it. Like if I don't yeah. work on me, there's a saying that says, I go to therapy because my parents didn't. Yeah. Ooh. So if I don't work yes. on me, that generational, all the things mm -hmm. will be passed. And I don't want her to carry my grief. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. I have to work through mine before she's old enough because she will grieve. She will sure. grieve the loss of, even though she didn't know him very well. He, she was only 11 months. Right. But she knows she had a dad. Right. She can point yeah. him out in a picture. You know, all those things. And and so I, I think that it changed a lot of how I approach, I guess, myself more than how I approach my daughter. I have to be more kind to myself in my motherhood. I have to be uh, a lot more <laughs> innovative, that's for sure. Sure. You know? 
And I've had to, again, learn to trust my own opinion and trust my own, my own goals. And motherhood is not something, when she was really young, it wasn't ever something I wavered in. You know, I had a very strict sleep schedule for her because yeah. I figured out really quickly that if she doesn't sleep and I don't sleep, there's no way I'm handling my grief. Right. Yeah. So my sisters would make fun of me. Oh, let her stay up. I'm like, uh, uh, no, because <laughs> you're not going to get up in the middle of the night to breastfeed her, are you? Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? <laughs> or, or, yeah, I got so much crap for her sleep schedule, for her eating schedule, all these things. And I had to be very steadfast in that. So outside of motherhood i had a lot of doubts and whatnot but like i got i i stayed pretty true to who i wanted to be as a mother i mm -hmm. just no longer had a partner first off to tell me yes or no <laughs> mm -hmm. and second to you know bounce those things off of so that was mm -hmm. kind of the part that was a little bit reeling for me but when it came down to decisions for her like i, I snapped at my mom she was with her and was gonna promise her something so she could stop crying mm -hmm. and i said no and i at mid-sentence i said nope because I knew what she was doing, and my yeah. my mother. I mean, I was shaking. <laughs> I was shaking. Yeah, my mother. <laughs> but I, I I stopped her because I was like, I can't let you do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I want my daughter to be able to regulate. We will regulate her emotions together outside of a treat of this. Mm -hmm. That my mom is a different grandma than mother. I'm telling you, aren't they all? It I blows my mom. mind. I'm like, you would never, as my mother. I said, I didn't even know what a was until I was like seven. Why are you giving my daughter chocolate at 9 p.m.? I don't understand. Right. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, ooh, they switch up real quick. My wife is switch now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I do love that you mentioned, um, and maybe you didn't say this, but that, that survival mode that even though I'm wanting the best for my children, there are going to be days where yes, take the tablet. I don't do your thing. I need a minute. And that is just survival mode. Like you got to do what you've got to do to survive. And if, if that means pizza tonight and cereal for breakfast and you get, get a free day, like whatever, watch all the movies, do what you have to do. Cause so many of us want to be Instagram moms and have it just look amazing. And we've done it all. And our kids are amazing. And we're the best at everything. Listen, we, if you need a random Wednesday where it's like, look, everybody gets peanut butter and jelly for dinner and I'm done. Like, shut it down. I'm That's done. It. Whatever. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Because it is, it is hard. It is so hard. And I look at kind of my, my journey and I was very, very strict. I was like, this is how we're doing things. We have a schedule. We have a plan. And then it was like, all right, well, now I'm the only parent. Um, about that. Um. Do what you need to do. Y'all have fun. I don't, I can't, I can't, I gotta work. I gotta this, I, I can't, whatever. And it is, it's, <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to like adjust to that, like being okay with that. But I assure you, once I got okay with it, I was like, I'm okay. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> like y'all will continue to grow, take a vitamin, like whatever. We're good. <laughs> we're good. And that's the thing. We're in an era where there's a lot of grace talk. You know, we're a lot, we're in an era where people are like you time and we're in an era, put yourself yes. first and everything. And I, and I love it. And I think that there needs to be so much more of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know that it's, it's still, a, it's a, it's an internal battle still. Yes. Especially for moms. Like our, and women. we are taught, exactly. We are taught to be selfless givers, always nurture everybody. 
And it is hard to take a step back and be like, y'all are good. I need a minute. <laughs> yeah. And we're almost, it's almost designed for us not to. The fact that why, why don't they, why don't the husband at least be, like breastfeed? Why couldn't they have had at least one thing? Do you right. know what I mean? Like, our, we're biologically designed to be the nurturer, caretaker, and it is innate. There's something in our brain chemistry that helps us hear better. Like when we're, when we're, it's crazy. I can smell a poop from, I'm like someone yep. next door has a poopy diaper right now, you know, <laughs> and it's immediate. I remember feeling like a bloodhound three weeks into my pregnancy. Yep. So it's like, we are, it's almost designed that way. So to battle that actual bio, like it's, it feels like biological thing mm -hmm. and just let them sit next to you and watch the iPad. Yeah. It, and then all, all, all the mom shaming, you know. So let, limit your screen time and get them outside. And I'm like, yeah, but if she's outside. She's still little. I gotta be outside. Exactly. <laughs> I gotta be out there. She's still eating dirt. You know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. It's it's I'm uh, out there for a, a mama pimp. You know. It it is it is it's it's I can't even I can't I don't know how we do it. I look at all of us and I'm like, are you okay? Like, I'm not okay. Are you okay? None of us are okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and that's really what it is. And and finding mom friends to remind you that you are human. And that, mm -hmm. like, I had a friend just say, yeah, that's the age that my kids did that. And just that sentence. Yeah. That's the age my kids did that. I was like, good, mine's not broken. <laughs> yeah. like, you know? yep. And it's, yeah. it's finding tribes. But we also get kind of ostracized as moms. Like, go, go find your mom friends. Like, mm -hmm. all those things. So... It's, it's, a, it's a tricky little line to walk, you know? You know, I, I remind myself daily, I asked for this. I asked God, please give me till I want, I want, I wanted five children. I am up to three and there is still something within me that is like, but I want another one. The baby, it's the potato stage where, yeah, they it cry is. and they don't sleep, but the little squishy tiny baby know. that lasts like 13 seconds, it's like 13 uh, seconds, you know, that small. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Oh, and my God. And I even, there's a part of me that craves pregnancy, and my pregnancies Ooh. are awful. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? There's something wrong if I want that again. <laughs> I loved it. I loved being pregnant. Oh. I loved all, I mean, I hated the heartburn, but mm. like, I loved feeling something growing in me. I loved when she couldn't run away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna set you here and you're gonna stay there. Like, yeah, I love all that. Just one spot. <laughs> and I would love to. That was another thing that that I had to grieve is like the thought of having a sibling for her, um, which I mean, either I need to change my life completely to make enough money to for IVF, or I'd have to meet another partner. And mm -hmm. so that was another that was another big one for her as a kid oh. because she's turning into that only child that really does think that she poops ice cream and peas lemonade. So I am. Oh. Yeah. I, I get her around enough kids, but I know that me and my sisters can call each other and talk mm -hmm. about my parents and relate on those things. And, and they've known me since, you know, so I do, I do grieve a little bit of that because I would have never had just one kid. Right. That was yeah. never part of my life plan, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think, I think, and she asks me now, oh, little sister, Aww. which is like, get you a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Play with that but I, I do want to be pregnant again. Yeah. But I do want to be pregnant again. I want to give birth yeah. again. Yeah. I you know, I'm really praying that 
everything aligns to where you can do that again because that's i mean that is something that that you do have to grieve that that what could have been kind of situation and you know again i didn't lose my husband but you know he's gone and so having to wrap my head around i always wanted to try one more time for a girl and it's like oh okay so we have been divorced now two years and i'm like and i have not met the one um so it's like is that gone is am i done with this like i'm 36 it's i have time but the clock is ticking and like what does this look like and am i willing or ready to let go of that um that is a whole process um yeah so there's that but you know it is what it is and i'm thankful that i have what i have but you know we we want what we want <laughs> so human yeah and again yeah. it's that piece of the hope in the future that you yeah. have to and what you what you it's so funny that you said what could have been because that's part of the title of my my book is that oh I, I, yeah that's the perspective i'm, I'm writing from is like yeah. i'm gonna write the story we didn't get to have mm. i'm gonna write the love story continued and and give him back his story and the rest of his life and he's going to be able to walk down the aisle with my daughter and he's you know in this mm. book because where else do you put it you know what i mean yeah where a lot of the resentment and the anger part of grief comes is like but it shouldn't be it could have been mm -hmm. so i'm just kind of let it all out yeah. into the paper that is brilliant i love that that is a, a great um I, i'm looking forward to reading it but also i i can't imagine that that's not insanely therapeutic for you so I, I love that you're taking that approach instead of, you know, keeping it all in and feeling all that pain of what could have been. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I love that. Well, do you have any advice that you'd like to share with other moms, either in similar situations or just dealing with those big, big, hard life choices in general? Someone said to me, I mean, in so many grief things, it says things like do the next thing. So I think sometimes when we feel stuck whether it's in grief, in motherhood, in parenthood, anything, even if you have a husband, maybe, you know, things, you don't feel supported, you mm -hmm. know, you don't feel that you have that. I say, do the next thing. And, and, and that's just means sometimes it's get up out of bed. That's the next thing. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's just brush your teeth. That's the next thing. Because I think a lot of what happens in my brain is my brain is thinking about four hours from now and I can't get out of the hour that I'm in. Yeah. to get there and it's overwhelming and i think mm -hmm. it, it if, if anything mother motherhood is overwhelming oh, you know yes. we're, we're not meant to raise kids this way you know we're mm -hmm. meant to raise kids in villages we're not meant mm -hmm. to do this alone we're supposed to have in-home help from other women you know we're yeah. supposed to some people live generationally with their parents until you know they live next door to so in america we're very isolated as mothers mm -hmm. And we look on Instagram and TikTok and we see these things and these people who are showing you 0.25% of their life. Yep. We compare and we do all those things. And so I've been trying to live, just do the next thing. Mm -hmm. The next thing that's good for you. You know, that is incredible advice. Incredible advice. Thank you so much. Um, so where can our listeners find you, um, hear you on your podcast, all of that? Where can we look for you? My podcast is called From the Pitch to Purpose, uh, from the soccer field all the way to, you know, what I'm finding as my purpose now. Mm -hmm. And all of my social media is Sammy B, S-A-M-M-I-E-B-E-E -E -E, on TikTok mm -hmm. and on Instagram and my Facebook. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was incredible hearing your story and it's, I appreciate you being so vulnerable with us all. So, uh, yeah, I, goodness, <laughs> that was, oh, I, so many positive feelings, but also like, like, oh, wow. Like this is, this is what it is. Like that's, that's heavy. That's a lot, but also like, but look at you, look at you doing it because like, A, you have no choice, but B, you're doing it with like sunshine in your heart. Like you are doing it with positivity and like, yes, we've got this. We're doing it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, Cold Coffee Club. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sam Brand. I think she's just an incredible energy, an incredible person in general. She and I hit it off really well. It was nice to talk about that dark stuff with someone, that heavy stuff that doesn't feel great to go through alone. But thankfully, people like Sam or like me or um, any of your tribe that you can kind of just go through that process with, those are incredible people to have. Uh, Sam and I actually talked about uh, she lives in California, and I plan on going to California in the next couple months. And she and I chatted about uh, getting together while I'm there. And uh, as she mentioned, she has a podcast and I will be on her podcast. So uh, she's She's great. Go support her. Go check her out on Instagram and kind of follow her story. My Houston Moms House Blend this week is uh, a post by Becca Vidrine. It is called Lessons from an Alcohol Sabbatical. We just wrapped up January. Some people did try out dry January after, you know, all that fun that we had during the holidays. And a lot of us probably saw an uptick in drinking, just in celebrating or coping with family being around and and all that just needing kind of a a way to decompress which is fine but um you know it encourages a dry january kind of encourages people to cut back a little bit especially you know if you're if your goals are to get a little bit healthier uh, especially during new year cutting down on alcohol definitely can help becca shares about what it has been like for her taking a break from alcohol i'm sure she saw some um incredible positive effects and so i think it's a great thing to explore if you're struggling with sleep or with lack of energy or just kind of having a fuzzy brain kind of thinking about maybe it has something to do with alcohol consumption and maybe I can help it a little bit by cutting down Uh, so it's definitely worth the read I loved it and you know it encouraged me to uh, go back to what I was planning to do back in 2020 which was no more alcohol during the week and just kind of only drinking any alcohol during the weekends. And then, you know, COVID hit and it was kind of just like, what even is the weekend anymore? And so that didn't really stick for me and it hasn't since. So it definitely encouraged me to go back to my intentions of uh, no more alcohol during the week. So it's definitely worth the read and uh, maybe explore doing dry February, March, April, maybe. So we're going to wrap up with the three C's of grief. This is going to be our um, see you later caffeinator for today. And I think these are really important to keep in mind. If you're dealing with grief, these are great to incorporate in your grieving process and keep in mind so that you can grow and heal. 
So the first C is choose. You have to choose what's best for you during your grieving process. Grief often comes with a a feeling of out of control. Um, You're not in control of what's going on in your world and it can be insanely overwhelming. Choosing what's best for you uh, is a great way to kind of gather that control back and make you feel like you are in charge of this process for yourself. The next C is connect. We are wired as people to connect with others and grieving can contribute to a feeling of loneliness and uh, isolation. So going out of your way to try to connect with people as much as you possibly can, as much as you can handle while you're grieving can definitely help that process be a little bit easier and a little softer on your heart. The third C is communicate. Let people know what your needs are. If you just need a shoulder to cry on, if you need someone to talk to you about A, B, or C and uh, support you as much as they can, you have to let people know. Let them know how best to walk alongside you during your grieving process. Um, So those three C's, choose, connect, and communicate are useful to uh, keep in your back pocket, especially if you're going through a grieving process of any kind. Um, I feel like those are incredibly important and can definitely help you get through it all. It's tough and and I get it. We get it. It's It takes a lot of work, but this is not the end of your story. If you're grieving, doing your very best to do those three C's and to move forward in your life as much as you can is super important. So please don't feel alone. Uh, The Cold Coffee Club is here for you. And I hope that interview with Sam gave some insight and some encouragement to all of you. All right, that's the end of our episode today. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Cold Coffee Club, brought to you by Houston Moms. We wish you a fabulous week with your families and look forward to sharing many more cups of cold coffee with you.